Welcome to NYC School Secrets. I'm Alina Adams. My books, Getting Into NYC Kindergarten and Getting Into NYC High School, are available on Amazon and barnesandnoble.com because I believe all parents have the right to know all their school choices and how to get them. This week's podcast is brought to you by Bright Kids, a full-service tutoring and publications company specializing in test prep and subject tutoring. For more information, visit www.bright-kids.com. And if you're looking for the optimal date to get your kids tested for various gifted programs, such as Hunter College Elementary, public citywide, or private schools, make sure you visit our exclusive calculator at www.nycschoolsecrets.com to enter your child's birth date and find out when you should sign them up. Now, it's October and private school applications have been out for over a month. For parents still on the fence about applying, later on in the show, we're going to talk about how, yes, you absolutely can afford private school, whether it's via financial aid or some other means. For a detailed explanation of how to apply to private schools, go to my website, www.nycschoolsecrets.com, click on the podcast link, and go to episode two. That show has absolutely everything you need to know. But first, it's time for our NYC School News Roundup and an explanation of what the news means to you. Last week, we talked to an Upper West Side dad about the rezoning plans for District 3 schools. Since then, there's been another meeting and another plan proposed. This one would affect nearly every single school in the district, with some losing catchment blocks, some gaining, and a few simply switching. Talk about rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic. There is also a proposed new school to be housed in the building PS191 is vacating, but as of now, the school has no name, no principal, and no staff. What does this mean to you? It means that families who bought a particular home with the main intention being attending the zone's high-achieving elementary school may find themselves out in the cold. You can still try applying to your former zone school, but if it's so overcrowded that it doesn't even have room for in-zone kids, out-of-zoned ones are even less likely to get a spot. That said, this year I had families getting off wait lists nearly the day before school started and another one got an offer last week. So wait lists do move and anything can happen. For more about how to work a wait list, listen to my podcast number 15 about what parents can do. And speaking of waitlists, the city's highest performing charter charter schools have long ones too. Last Wednesday, 25,000 people rallied in Prospect Park to demand the city let them double the number of schools and seats to serve the families who want them. One school that's already been approved is NYC's first orchestral charter school. The Washington Heights and Inwood Music Community Charter School will offer two hours of orchestral music and voice instruction to all students in grades K-5 to during an extended school day. It's scheduled to open its doors September 2017th. Unlike the public-private partnership special music school in Lincoln Center, the orchestral charter school will not require an audition. Meanwhile, there's trouble in the city's other art schools. In late summer, over 10,000 parents, students, teachers, and community members at LaGuardia High School, that's the famed school of music, art, and performing arts, signed a petition objecting to the fact that the school now allegedly gives more weight to academics rather than the arts in their admissions process. At the same time, parents at the professional performing arts school a few blocks away are unhappy with what they claim is a single-minded focus on performing. They believe the school is ignoring academics and their kids are not graduating. Graduating college ready. Guess you can't please everyone. 
which is why it's a good thing NYC has passed a resolution to make transferring public schools easier. In the past, families could only request a transfer in cases of violence, medical issues, or extreme commute. Of course, those who knew how to manipulate the system knew how to make those words mean whatever they wanted them to mean. Now, however, parents can request a transfer if their child is not, quote, progressing or achieving academically or socially, end quote. Those are even vaguer words with even a lower burden of proof threshold. When we come back, we're going to address the topic, yes, you can afford private school. We'll tell you how. And we'll also talk with the head of Manhattan Country, a progressive school that has a unique approach to making private education affordable for all. Stay tuned. Bright Kids is a full-service tutoring and publications company specializing in test preparation and subject tutoring. Knowledgeable account managers guide families from start to finish, ensuring maximum success for students. Trial sessions are now available for only $40. Visit the Bright Kids website at www.bright-kids.com to find out more. Welcome back. I'm Alina Adams, author of the books Getting Into NYC Kindergarten and Getting Into NYC High School, and I will be the first person to proclaim NYC private school education is not cheap. Most tuitions are north of $40,000 a year. There are a few exceptions, of course. Basis in Brooklyn is $20,000, and they're about to open a Manhattan campus where tuition will be under $30,000. Staten Island Academy comes close to matching that, depending on grade level. Brooklyn Heights Montessori is in the $35,000 range, as is the Alexander Robertson School on the Upper West Side. There are others. Contact me at alinaadams at gmail.com for details. There is, however, usually financial aid available. In fact, the higher the tuition, the more financial aid there is. Different schools have different ways of determining the amount individual families receive. We spoke to Michelle Sola, head of Manhattan Country School, about how they make a private progressive education affordable to NYC families at all incomes and why they have a very good reason for not calling it financial aid. Plus, quite possibly the most shocking thing I've ever heard about an NYC private school came during this interview. Can you guess what it was? Hello, and welcome to New York City School Secrets. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you very much for asking. We are talking about financial aid, and I would like you to explain how does financial aid at Manhattan Country work? Well, that's an interesting question because our system is based on a sliding scale and we are very purposeful about the language that we use. And financial aid is on purpose not part of that. Our system is really based on uh, the mission of the school. The school was started exactly 50 years ago. Congratulations. <laughs> it's a pretty exciting anniversary. Um, and the notion really early in the school's life was that the contractual relationship between families, all families, and a school uh, with this mission should really mirror one another. And there's something in the nomenclature of financial aid that uh, speaks to inequity and um, some families being on financial aid and other families not didn't really work in, in portraying the school aligned well with its values. So instead, the board came up with a, another system. It's based on the idea that everyone pays according to their means. 
and everyone submits a form that they developed. It's been tweaked a little bit, but we call it our financial worksheet. We don't use the third-party uh, services that many other schools do. And our contracts are based on that worksheet. About 75% of our families pay on the sliding scale. 25% pay what the board has determined is the maximum tuition. Um, but 100% of our families really benefit from the community that comes together when you put on such a high priority list the sensibility around equity that our, you know, our sliding scale has. Well, you mentioned that everyone benefits from it. How does everyone benefit from having a school that has this philosophy? You know, it's dispiriting in our 50th anniversary to see so much research on how segregated schools are. And, of course, racially and culturally, that's one factor, but economic segregation of schools that is a function, then, of what kinds of resources are available for all children um, is something that I think a lot about. And, of course, I read assiduously because... I find that our alumni and our alumni families talk about the experience of being in an economically diverse community where there's this equity sensibility as a one-time-in-a-life um, pathfinder, if you will. Mm -hmm. their, their understanding of the value of humanity, their ability to engage with some of the imperfections that democracy seems to still have built into it in an economically diverse community helps them be uh, empathetic, helps them understand themselves when they are reacting to things, and helps them have a language for engaging with people whose experience in life is a little different than theirs. Now, I read something interesting. You don't ask for proof of income. You work on the honor system um, when it comes to the sliding scale tuition. Is that also connected to your philosophy? Absolutely. And, you know, I get questioned about that all the time because as I'm working with families who are applying to the school, um, they can't believe it. <laughs> the 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 developers or the architects of this system felt that trust had to be as present as equity. That, you know, I think the way they talked about it in the beginning is that there are certain experiences in life where one has to validate income like the income tax mm -hmm. that applies to everyone. But there are other experiences that are very present for people that if you're applying for public assistance, you have to reveal an enormous amount about your financial circumstances. And there are many people who never have to do that separate from mm -hmm. their taxes. So their their principal decision was that it was going to be a trust system and that we would have to educate on a continual basis why it was that we were engaging the contractual relationship with this system and you know make the case for trust and i really i found that over the years you know the people who cheat the system 
are well known because they brag on the sidewalk, but they are a handful. Mm-hmm. And that by and large, people feel greatly respected, as I think the, the architects of the system intended, that they can represent their circumstances. And, you know, we have a couple of, it's basically a, a percentage of one's income, mm-hmm. and the percentage ranges from 5 to 12%. And um, that originally it was a straight percentage across the board, so it was either 7 or 8%. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'm not remembering quite right. Um, and then they graduated it because they realized that they were demanding more of people making much less at that flat rate than if they were to graduate it slightly. Um, but the fact that we don't require people to validate their income in any way. Both puts the pressure on the school to be articulate about why this system is the one that we're using when, you know, a lot of other places are, are using the third parties. Um, and they're asking to see tax returns and other such things. They are. They are. Um, the, you know, that's how the third parties do it. Now, it the system it was interesting in some of the original writings. The system spoke to everyone in the community feeling a sense of equal sacrifice for the equal benefit of all the children in the community. So it wasn't a matter of a single contract based on, you know, validating your income that meant you were paying the percentage for your child. It was really you were an equal participant in affording the education for all the children. Mm. Now, even with a sliding scale, as you said, um, everyone pays something, some percentage of their income, so they must find that it's worth it. What, in your opinion, are they getting at Manhattan Country that they can't get at a public school? So um, sliding scale tuition is one aspect of our program, but there are other things that are parallels of that. You know, we have a farm in the Catskills where kids are intimately connected to hard work and producing their own food and learning where food comes from, and I think that's one thing. Um, The school's historic commitment to racial justice and building a multiracial, multicultural, economically diverse community is an aspiration that I think not every school has the liberty to make as formative a part of their program. I'm a supporter of public education. This school was started to be a model and a laboratory where people from public schools could come and, and you know, steal liberally, and that's something we work really hard at. So one thing families tell me they get from this experience is both the intimacy of the work that it takes to build an economically diverse community and a multiracial community, but also the fact that it is being replicated and scaled in other places in a very purposeful way. And, you know, they they take great pride, I think, in, in being part of that. So we are actually parts of many um, um, networks, actually, of public and private schools. So I don't think our families feel as separate from the promise of public education as maybe some other private schools. 
thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate you taking the time to explain and introduce our families to Manhattan Country School. We really appreciate it. All right, I admit it. That part about not asking for proof of income took me by surprise. I have never heard anything similar from another NYC private school. But it just goes to show you should always do your research. Don't assume that because you can't afford a particular tuition, that means the school of your dreams is out of reach. Many, many schools will be happy to work with you, especially if you're a family they really want to join their community. For more on what sorts of families private schools are looking for and how big some of the financial aid packages they're willing to part with are, check out either Getting Into NYC Kindergarten or Getting Into NYC High School on Amazon or BarnesandNoble.com. I guarantee this time you'll be the ones who are in for a surprise. That's it for now. Come see me this Wednesday, October 5th at Meet the Experts, NYC Selective School Admissions Panel, where I'll be moderating a discussion that includes representative from the Parents League and Hunter College Elementary School at the New Basis Manhattan. More info and registration at my website, www.nycschoolsecrets.com, under Workshops Open to the Public. We'll see you next week with more of the latest NYC school news and what it means to you.